Hey everybody, welcome to this month's version of Metal Misconduct. I'm Brian Slagle and uh, we're joined, of course, as always, by good old Sean Rourke from the NHL. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> of course. Our special guest this month is comedian, sports fan, metalhead, and most importantly, Emmy Award winner, Mr. Jim Florentine. Try not to build me up that much, because people listen like, oh, this is going to be great, and it's probably not. <laughs> and it's not going to be your guy's fault, it's me, so. Well, well, but really? yeah, I lucked out and won an Emmy, which is nice, because it's, you know, it helped when I was single to bring, to get to, you know, get laid. You know, you work at a chick, you bring her back to your place, and then I go, right, let's go in the bedroom, I got to show you this thing, and I had the Emmy right on my nightstand. It was like my Mariana Rivera. You know what I mean? It closed out the ninth inning. Yeah, we've had we've had Don on the show, so he he tells a similar tale. I, yeah, I, well, that's asked, why I told him that's where you got to put it. Why put it in a case? I asked him, and he didn't get this far. But I'll ask you: like, did you have like a, a couple spotlights to shine on it? So no. Like, when you walk in, oh, I didn't want to make it too obvious. <laughs> why not? Well, I just like oh, that, I got to let me turn the light on. Oh, I got to move. Can you hold this thing for a second? And I make her hold it, and then. But see now the pr there's the pressures on though now now if you, forever you have the stigma of an Emmy award winner. So anytime you go anywhere or do anything, people expect greatness from you. Well, that's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brian, I think they need to have an Emmy for podcasts, and we'll have to put ours up so we can have one. These sound like pretty powerful things. Well, we'll we'll lose that because Jim Jim has probably one of the biggest podcasts in the entire world now. Uh, him and Adam Carolla, I think, are the two biggest. So. Well, I'm not, well, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> well, for comedy podcasts, mine is yeah, pretty big. But that's right. We're, we don't I just did one today. I just I, it's called the NFL is back and Brett Favre is an ass. That's the title of it. <laughs> now and I ripped the commissioner of the NFL for the first twenty minutes and then Favre for the last thirty. So why is Brett Favre an ass? The guy's the worst teammate in the history of sports. Why do you say that? He's a piece of shit. He's selfish. He's egotistical. He's not that good. He's way overrated. And when the coach tells him to come out of a game, he says, oh, I don't want to come out. And he stays in the game. Nobody does that in professional sports. And does and they're like, oh, that Brett's just being a, you know, he's just being a competitor. He wants to stay in. Imagine if T.O. pulled that crap. I'm staying and I'm not coming out. The coach says, come out. I want you. No, I'm going to stay on the field. Nobody else does that and gets away with it. He's a piece of shit. He stinks. Uh, tell us how you really feel. Come on, don't, okay, don't hold he, back. And he's texting. He's texting pictures of his small penis to a 22-year-old. Why his wife's in Mississippi, um, going going through chemo treatments for breast but, cancer. But see, what I ha what you have to understand about Brett Favre is he's from the middle of nowhere in ten in Mississippi. So, did you really expect a highly intelligent, uh, wonderful guy? Coming from there? There's a lot of guys come from the middle of anywhere in the middle of America, Midwest, that don't Kill act Mississippi? like that. Come on. That don't act like that. But look, Peyton Manning comes from Gooberville, wherever, Louisiana. <laughs> He's in New Orleans. And, and he acts a, a, a normal, even though his commercials are the worst commercials in history. Well, at least uh, at least Brett Favre is a much better quarterbacking guy than Dan Marino. So <laughs> It's not even close. <laughs> Just kidding. You're a Dolphin fan. So well, no, I mean, I had to look, Favre is a great quarterback. He'll make the Hall of Fame, but he, he's definitely is overrated. He's the biggest diva that's pl probably played in NFL history that doesn't get called out for it. So uh, are we, Sean, are you you happy that the lockout, NFL lockout's not going to happen? Maybe because that, maybe that means that after next year you'll actually have hockey? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, most of all, I'm happy as a fan. I mean, uh, it's the one sport uh, other than soccer, and we won't talk about that, but it's the one sport that uh, I don't really have uh, any kind of a working interest in and that I'm still interested in, so it's kind of my diversion during hockey season, and there's not many of them. I'm looking forward to the Patriots and the Jets playing. Living in New York now and being a Patriots fan, it's uh, it's always a fun a fun week uh, both times they play. Uh, the other 14 weeks being in New York, not so much fun with the Jets being here, but uh, yeah. that's part of the price of living here, I guess. No, I'm in Jersey, too, and I'm a Miami fan, so i got to deal with the Jets on TV all the time. Let me ask you something, Sean. If you, you, you're on a team, what if your coach t- told the goalie, just let off four goals in the two minutes, you got to come out of the game, and the goalie goes, no, I'm staying, and he won't get off the ice. Did, Liber- did Liberto- Roberto Luongo do that? <laughs> Well, he kind of did. Yeah, he wanted to stay in. Usually, it's usually it's the opposite, though. The the most famous one is uh, Patrick Waugh let up seven goals, and his coach was so mad at him he wouldn't pull him. And uh, when Patrick finally came off the ice, he said, "I'm never playing for the Montreal Canadiens again." And that's how he ended up in Colorado, where they won a Stanley Cup the next year. And Montreal is is still looking to get back to their glory days. So he won, uh, he did, he won two cups. The other way around, it's a punishment tactic in hockey. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they'll do that in baseball. They'll leave the middle reliever out there to just suck up the innings and get belted around. For But, I mean, as a teammate, as a guy playing on a team, how would you feel if your goalie did that and he wouldn't come out of the game? I No, I'd be awful. But, you know, I, I'll tell you a funny story that's somewhat related to that. Alexei Kovalev is a very good hockey player. When he first came to the NHL, he was in New York, and uh, he had a little problem with extending his shifts, much to the dismay of his teammates. And uh, one day he did that, and Mike Keenan was the coach, and uh, he kept him out there for five rotations. The center and the other wing had changed five times. They had gone back to his line again. So he had been out on ice for about three and a half minutes, which is extremely long. It's usually 45 seconds. And it was clearly punishment. And when the game was over, it was Alexei's first year from Russia. People asked him about it, and he said, oh, I guess the coach really liked the way I was playing. He kept me out there. <laughs> uh, which is one of the funniest stories. I've been covering the league for 20 years now, and that's still one of the funniest stories ever because he thought he was being rewarded. And clearly Mike Keenan, who did not have a very high threshold for any kind of lack of discipline, was trying to send the message to him that went clearly over Alex's head. Um, but uh, everybody else on the team enjoyed it quite a bit because they thought that Alex was getting his uh, the message delivered to him, but they were all wrong. Were, uh, were any goals scored during that time he was on the ice? No, no, it was, uh, and I don't think he crossed back over the red line either. Uh, the center ice line. I think. I think he was. He spent the whole time uh, on the offensive end of the ice. But uh, that's how he could do three and a half minutes. Cherry picking. Nice. As call it. Yeah, Mike Kanan was. Uh, he was vicious. Oh yeah. You know, he was. Uh, he was. He was a prick, but he was good. He had his moments. He won. I know he did. Yeah, but I think he won much more due to the fact that Mark Messier was on that team. And I guess if you give Keenan any credit, it's like he got out of Mark Messier's way and just let Messier run that team, which is what Messier did. I'm kind of surprised, you know, that, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I'm kind of surprised that Messier didn't ever become a coach because everybody you talk to who was on his teams felt like he was really the coach of that team, but yet he maybe he's smart enough to know, like, you know, Gretzky did it. It was kind of a disaster. I don't know. What do, you, do you have any thoughts on that, Sean? Well, he's, he's 
he's going to be a GM at some point. I mean, he's kind of being groomed for that in in uh, in New York right now. But uh, you know, a lot of times, and especially in hockey, I guess uh, a lot of times the really good players they they can't coach because they can't understand why the players that they're coaching can't do what they did, and it gets really frustrating. You know, for them, a lot of things were so easy, and then when they try and explain it and they tell the guys to go out and do it, and when they can't, you know, instead of altering the game plan to what the player's strengths and weaknesses are they they keep kind of going and trying to get to that level that most of the players on the team can't get to so you know there's there's most of the coaches in this league are, are guys that never made it to the nhl or or guys that were fringe guys in the nhl there's I, I very it's few that way i think it's that way in all sports really that's a good you, look, point. you look at you know football i mean i don't think any superstar player is well that's what's going to happen in denver coach. with your team always going to well, no, be frustrated Elway's not the with coach but he's i mean i can see the GM role. I mean, some of the guys have transitioned into being a GM, but not really a coach. So it's kind of interesting. Like, I guess, I guess that, I think what the, the problem is, you know, I was talking to somebody once about this and what they said was that, you know, great, great players, the game comes very easy to them. They don't really have to work that hard at being great players, really. But guys who aren't so great understand the game much more because they really have to figure out how to, how to make it work and how to be a good player. So that's part of the reason why they think star athletes never become good coaches. The right. GM's a whole other thing in you know, finding talent. So Deep Purple, on a scale of 1 to 10 as a band, a number. Uh, well, which version, which version of Just Deep overall, Purple? just overall, overall Deep 10 Purple. being best. Uh, I would give them an 8.5. Led Zeppelin, overall? Uh, 2.5. Wow. Wow. That's the wow. Well, I Breaking can, news. Yeah, I'm not a Zeppelin fan a, at all. I, I can't stand Robert Plant's vocals. It's, it's like uh, uh, fingernails on a chalkboard. It just drives me crazy. So I, I can't do Zeppelin. I, you know, I was more of a Sabbath guy. You know, it was always Sabbath versus Zeppelin, metal versus hard rock. But, you know, I give Zeppelin props. I'll give them um, a solid seven. Zeppelin? Yeah, well, I mean, I get and that. And then I give Sabbath like a nine and a half or so. so. Yeah, I give, yeah, Sabbath is... Uh, I might but I like some Sabbath of the Zeppelin stuff, even though the first record was completely stolen. Where do you, where do you, that's true. Where do you weigh in on the on this debate, Sean? Well, Deep Purple was kind of part of my gateway drug into, into heavy metal. That, you know, the, the whole space trucking and all that when I was 13, 14 years old. So they always hold a special place in my heart. So they're up there, probably right around you, I was going to say an eight. I'm a little bit bigger of a Zeppelin fan. I, I would say, you know, a six or a seven. Um, when the Levee Breaks is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, so, uh, you know, it has to be up there. And then obviously, you know, you've heard some of the songs I've picked on this podcast since we started. You know, uh, stuff like Zabbath, that kind of doomy uh, rock and roll, heavy metal type of thing is right up my alley. So they're, they're pretty close to a 10. So... Um Back to sports for a couple seconds. So we talked earlier about uh, Jim's love for the Miami Dolphins. Um, they, but but I don't hate New England. I lo I, I'm envious of their coaching staff, how good they are, and they can plug players in so, and be constantly good. I, I hate the Jets. Yeah. It, yeah well, I, we, have that, we have that in common. And you know what? When I was a kid and Steve Grogan was my quarterback, I was pretty envious of the, of the Dolphins. So I guess everything is cyclical. Yeah, it definitely is because there was some great New England-Miami. Because Miami, Miami beat New England like 14 straight times in a row. And then all of a sudden, New England beat them like 13 out of 14. It was a complete switch. So. Yeah, because the Patriots, when they had that terrible helmet, they were pretty awful. Sorry, Sean. Oh, that's so awesome. That Pat, the Patriots, the best helmet in the league. That's fantastic. Oh, 
okay. I was at the I was at the field goal game when they came out when the prisoners came out and oh. cleared the field, uh, so the Patriots could kick the game-winning field goal. Uh, me and my dad had season tickets, and I I think that was my first or second year. It was at the old Foxborough Stadium, and uh, yeah, the 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 prisoners came out. That was the grounds crew at that time, and they they plowed and and uh, they were able to kick the game-winning field goal. Three nothing. I remember that game. I was yeah. miserable. Oh, it was a brutal brutal game. Just. Foxborough is one of the coldest places on earth, and this was colder than that. I, I mean, it was truly an unbelievable test of endurance. Yeah, I want to hate the Patriots. I do hate the Patriots, but over time, less and less. You know, Kraft seems like everybody says he's a great guy, and I mean, even you know what he did to get the lockout sorted out, and mm-hmm. he's a good guy. I keep I hear from many various guys that Tom Brady's a good guy, and he's actually a metalhead. So. You know, I, I guess I can't hate New England as much. I actually like the Jets, though, because I like the Jets because I like the chutzpah of what they're doing now. I think that's awesome. But I also, being a SoCal guy, I'm a huge Mark Sanchez fan coming from SC. So okay, I, that's why I kind of like the it's Jets. It's funny because Pete Carroll was saying when he left early in college, he's like, he's not going to be ready for the NFL for a while. But that was Pete Carroll trying to get him to stay because Pete Carroll knew he needed him. He okay. needed him to stay. He wanted him to stay because he had a better chance of winning with him. Right. But uh, I think, you know, I mean, it, he had to go to the right spot. I think that, that the Jets were the right organization. They are pretty patient with him. And he, he's turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So far, so. yeah. But, but don't, but don't you have to win something before you can have chutzpah, as you say? Well, but, you I, know, I, 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 for some reason, I don't know why, but I, I, I take all that with a grain of salt. Like some guys do that, and it's very like it's it's super egotistical. I think he's got his fur, his tongue firmly implanted in his cheek when he's saying a lot of that stuff. I, I don't think that, you know, if you watch the whole, you know, uh, Hard Knocks thing and everything, it's it's all pretty much fun, I think. I don't think he's out Rex there. Rex Ryan? Yeah. No, he's just a, no, I mean, he's just a loud mouth and, you know, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, every big team thinks that, but Every you're not, year they're going to win the yeah, Super Bowl. They've win. never won it yet. Well, Why eventually, eventually we he'll it? be right, right? No, he won't. <laughs> the Jets are cursed forever. The Jets will never win a Super Bowl ever again. Wow, why are they cursed? They're just—I don't know. The franchise is just cursed for some reason. Every time something good's going to happen, it just blows up in their face. Wow, nice. and the Jet fans are cocky, and that's why the New England, the Miami fans, and the Giant fans hate them because they're so—they can go two and fourteen, and then the next season, all right, well, we're going to win the division, and we just got to get through the Colts in the playoffs, and we're going to win. Of course, they're just cocky, and they never win anything. So basically, what you're saying is now that the Dolphins are not very good, you're focusing all. Your your attention on hating no, the I, Jets now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's because the Dolphins season is usually over by week five, so yeah. i got to go, all right, let me just root against the Jets. <laughs> That's all Fair I got. Enough. What am I going to do? Now, also, uh, you're coming to the end of baseball season here, so uh, Jim gets excited by that because for some bizarre reason, you're a huge San Francisco Giants fan. Yeah, and I hear they just got Carlos Beltran yeah, hey. from the Mets. I don't want him. No? No, the guy's only good in his walk year. When he has a contract to play for, and then all of a sudden his knees go out for the next five years. But in the playoffs, isn't it really all about pitching? Really, I don't think it really much matters. The, the, well, the who Giants have got. the worst. Giants have the worst batting in in professional baseball ever. That's Somehow they win every game, one nothing. Who yeah, cares? they win every game, one nothing. They do need a bat, but I don't like any. I hate the Mets too, and I don't like any Mets. And Beltran's got did, bad knees. Did you hate the Mets He's when lazy. Piazza was on the Mets? I like Piazza as a player, but I didn't like um, anything about the Mets. Okay, so. No Yankees either, right? No, not really. Yeah, no. so only I don't Yankees. hate them as much as the Mets. 
But it's, it's got to be difficult there being a San Francisco Giants fan living in Jersey. I mean, all the games come out at 10.30 at night. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough. I mean, thank God for the baseball package. But yeah, yeah we just, you know... Just look up on the internet or whatever, and you couldn't even get the box score the next day in the paper when you used to buy people bought newspapers because all the games started late. Well, maybe they'll win it again this year. What do you think, Sean? Uh, first of all, I'm interested to find out how Chim became a Giants fan. The, those stories always interest me when it's not a regional, it's not a regional fan. Because unfor- not unfortunately, but I, I stay pretty true to my uh, my birth alliances. The only one I've given up shockingly is, is the Bruins, and uh, you know for for a number of different reasons but I'm kind of interested how Jim became a Giants fan well, I can tell you a little bit about that Jim spent a lot of time in the bathhouses there in San Francisco and I think he kind of adopted the Giants from, from that if, I, if I'm correct uh, well you know absolutely I mean you know when, when some guy goes, you know, I'm going to put in your ass if you're not a Giant fan. I'm like, okay, I'll be a Giant fan. There you so go. No, but I, when I was a kid, I was a lefty. And there was no, I was the only lefty on my team. And I played first base. And I wore number 44 for some reason. And then like two weeks later, I saw Willie McCovey on the game in a week. And he was a lefty number 44. And that was it. And I, I just loved that swing he had. And I just became a Giant fan when I was like 9 or 10. And the same with Miami. My uncle was a... Lived down in Fort Lauderdale. He was a big Dolphin fan. And during the heyday, 72, 73, 74, he would just send us up magazines and pictures. And you got to watch the Dolphins. You got to watch. So, and that's how I became a Dolphin fan. That makes sense. I mean, you know, same thing with me. Like, I was a Bronco. I'm a Bronco fan, sadly, these days. But, uh, you know, because I had family in Denver, I used to go there. And they were, the team was terrible, but the city loved them. So I just kind of was like, yeah, I'll adopt them. What the heck? I don't like the Rams. I interviewed that guy, the Barrel Man. What's that guy? Oh, yeah, the, the dude with the big... Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, when I worked for Inside the NFL on nice. HBO one season, we went to the Hall of Fame game, and he was there. And was I'm asking sure he's him. nuts. Yeah, I was asking him if he wore anything under there and all this stuff, yeah. <laughs> is that what? Is that specifically how you won the Emmy, was for that it wasn't specific for that interview? <laughs> no, my, we won the Emmy for... Um, I dressed the Emmy? Like uh, Emmy, uh, like Ricky Williams, and uh, tried to get back on the Dolphins. Remember when he tired? Yeah. He wanted yeah. to go smoke pot with Lenny yeah, Kravitz. Yeah. <laughs> so I dressed up like Ricky Williams and um, knocked dreads. on Dam, yeah, dreads, you know, the full costume and stuff like that, and knocked on Dan Marino's door with a bong and a football and said, "Dan, I want to get back on the team. Can you help me?" <laughs> the real Dan Marino. Yeah, we story. went to his house. Nice in Miami. It was unbelievable. Was it a surprise attack or was he? No, he was in on the bit because he worked uh, on the show too. Yeah. yeah. And then he, I said, "Throw me some footballs." And I, he was throwing me a ball, and I had a bong in one hand. I'm trying to catch. He's like, "Ricky, you got to put the pipe down." <laughs> I just did concert on the two sports. I used to be a Flyer fan 15, 20 years so ago. Thank God about, you're not anymore. Although five, I, I kind of like them now. For about five years, and then I just kind of, I, I focus so much on baseball and football, I just don't have time for basketball and hockey. So those yeah. two, the rest, I don't watch any college stuff. No and college it, football? No, I just, because I spent so much time on Sunday, the whole day, Sunday night, Monday, and I, I just couldn't give up a Saturday, too, to watch college football. I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, I go back and forth with college football. Like, when I'm really busy, same thing. Like, Sunday, I got to be home and watch the games. Now, do you, I guess this goes to both of you guys. I would rather sit at home and watch the, the NFL Sunday ticket so I can see all the games than actually going to a game because then you'd basically miss everything else. You guys rather, would you guys rather go to the game live or do you go live or do you sit at home and watch it on TV? Sean? I, I, I still try and go live at least once. I always try and get tickets to a Patriot game. It's Like I said, me and my dad went for years, probably from the time I was 8 till I was 18. So it brings back a lot of memories. And I love 
probably more than sporting events, I love to tailgate. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm teaching my son how to do it now. He's only six, but he's going to learn quick. Um, and, <laughs> what and kind of beer are you getting him to drink this this young? Oh, no, no. He's got the juice box. No, nothing illegal <laughs> there. Uh, but people crack up. He's got his little chair. I got the big chair. We get the grill going. We put some clams on it. And then whatever else is going to be the main course. And we do it upright three, four hours before the game. And, and to me, that... It, that tops all. I used to love going to the, uh, East Rutherford when I moved here for the Jet games, even though I knew I was in for eight hours of torture as a Patriot fan. But the, the four or five hours you could have in the parking lot tailgating, you know, I went with some guys who would do four or five course meals, some of the best memories I have. So I, I still like the live experience, but as I get older and the prices get higher and higher, you, you can't beat sitting at home on a Sunday and watching games. And now that I can see the Patriots almost every week, um, even without the package, you know, it makes it a a lot easier to kind of say, hey, I don't need to go and, and travel somewhere to see him. Yeah, that's also with the NFL, you know, because they sold their soul for every last fucking penny. Uh, you know, switching New England games from 1 o'clock to 8 o'clock and, the, you know, all that stuff and making them later starts when they knew if it's cold weather. Put it at 1 o'clock so a guy could bring his kid to a game. He can get home and go to sleep and go to school the next day and not be so cold. So that fucks it up, too. And you don't even know because the schedule comes out, they change it the last six weeks of the year. They'll switch it to a four fifteen game. You don't you don't want to sit in New England at four fifteen in December. One o'clock's a lot easier to take when that game's not going to end till eight. Or they switch it to the eight twenty game in the middle of the winter. And hey, you gotta, you know, you're trying like, to bring your six year old kid to a game. <laughs> yeah, it's and he's all freezing about, his ass off. It's all about money, though. I mean, that's you know, that's the NFL. It's all about. Yeah, it's well, all about I know. Money. And then they you know they did the lockout so they can make a little more money. The owners. Yeah, well, I mean, at least they, I mean, look, at least they got it sorted out. I mean, I mean, the fact that they were able to get it done and we have a 10-year deal now is pretty impressive. That's great. That's I'm hoping, you know, because everybody said, because, you know, all the other, C the CBAs and all the other three sports are up, and basketball's up now, and they're obviously going to lock out. Uh, baseball's up after this season, and hockey's up after the following season. So all, all of them are kind of coming up, and they were saying that they were, there was actually somebody, that were some people that were predicting that all four sports could be, locked out at the same time. Luckily, that's not going to happen. And clearly, with the NFL doing a 10-year deal, hopefully that makes it kind of the, the highway, more or less, for these other teams to go down, the other leagues to go down and say, okay, let's do a long-term deal, wrap this up so we don't have all this nonsense. Maybe we can get... You know, we should have got the uh, the NFL owners and the players to, to negotiate the whole debt ceiling thing a while ago, too, maybe. Yeah, well... Yeah, they should have, absolutely. <laughs> at, least got a, got, at least got a deal done. But um, no, but look, so you, know, you never a he's answered. Doing, Obama's doing a good live. job, you know. He's doing a good job with all those, you know. Um, hey, we got to give this money to bankers. Let's put, reinvest it back in Wall Street. It's going to jump to start the economy. Look at all these jobs. It's going to start. He's, it's you know, <laughs> you know. How long are you going to blame it on Bush? You're in there two and a half years. All right, enough. I'll, I hate all these politicians. They can all uh, go away. But you never answered the question. So, so the bankers and, and Wall Street fucked up the whole country to begin with, and then we're going to reward them. Here's some more money. Just try the not to fuck up The politicians are all, um, I mean, they're all in everybody's pockets. I mean, they're just puppets for the big corporations. It's like if you either want to be, if you're in the Republicans, you're in the, the pockets of the oil companies and you know, all those big companies, and if you're Democrats, you're in, in, in all the other you know, side of the, the, and they're all run by big corporations. It depends on, yeah. you, know, you want to be run by the banks or the oil companies. You know, and that, well, that was the thing with the NFL, like how in this recession that we've had for what, the last four or five years that you could you know, say we're not making money and hold out and, and charge more for tickets and everything else and stop the game. Yeah, well, at least, I mean. L lucky they got it settled. So, you know, there's still going to be some bad blood between the fans and the 
Well, I think once no, the season, I think once the season starts, yeah. I'll be all right. But I mean, look, and the thing about the NFL is so few games uh, that the ticket prices, even though there are a lot, you know, it's, it's rare that you go. But I mean, you can watch everything on TV. And it, I, I, you know, back to my initial question, I actually prefer watching games on TV because I think you get a better coverage of the game than than going to it live, especially if you don't have great seats. You know, I'm, unless you're such a only, you know, I'm a fan of so many different teams. Uh, you know, I like the sport more than a specific team, so I'd rather watch all the games than. Go root for the greatest thing ever that the NFL has done in the last 50 years is the NFL red zone mm-hmm. on that package. If your team's mm-hmm. not playing, you just leave that awesome. out with no commercials. Yep, it's it is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I, I used to like pop around and now I just leave that on and watch that. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, well, they, you know, hey, I mean, look, they're obviously doing something right. They're the biggest sport with uh, the most amount of money that's coming in. So, yeah, you know, schmucks like us talking about it. But you're not a hockey guy, right? Not really a hockey guy. I don't know why either, because I do, you know, hockey's so exciting, even to watch on TV at the games, too. I've been to a bunch of games, too. It's like, I should be, but I just don't have that much time. I guess it's kind of tough, too, for you. I mean, you, you know, the Devils are not the most exciting team to watch live, and, you know, the Rangers, it's tough to get a ticket. So, you know, I think you don't have a whole lot of access to, to going to a lot of live games. Where well, my brother, his, he's got a four-year-old son. He's making him a huge Flyer fan. It's an hour, it's an hour and a half drive to, yeah. to Philly to, yeah, to but see you wanna, a game. Yeah, but do you want to bring a little kid to a Flyers game? That's, you know, it's certainly the best way to learn... Uh, how to you know curse and other stuff? Yeah, I don't want that because my my son, my brother is a he's a huge Miami fan too, and he hates. He's got his son liking the Dolphins and the Flyers, and um, he's got his son hating the Jets so much. They were in a Home Depot the other day, and some guy was wearing a Jet jersey on the other line checking out. He went over and just kicked him in the shin <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> I don't want my son doing that, that. You know what I mean? Sounds like sounds like a game in Philadelphia, doesn't it, Sean? <laughs> it does. When I was when my when my son was little and now my daughter's three, they my my parents got them a shirt. It was handed down. Now it's been made into a pillow. It said Yankees yuck on it, and the kids would wear it everywhere to the park or whatever. And at first, people thought it was really cute that my little kids were in Yankee colors. And then they would read the front of the shirt and they would get so offended that they would they're like, "You're a bad parent. You can't do that to your kid. He can't even make his own decisions yet." And I'm like, "Hey, we're just we're just teaching him at a young age on on the proper way to." To think about sports, but people would get so offended that they wouldn't be able to talk. Well, that funny. that 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 rivalry, Boston New York, is insane. I remember the first time I went to Fenway a few years ago. Uh, I was there. I was I forget who the who the Red Sox were playing. It might have been. Uh, it, I'm trying to remember who it was, but it wasn't the Yankees. But all, you walk outside of Fenway, and there's like 50 guys selling Yankees socks T-shirts everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. And games when they, I mean, the Yankees weren't there for like another, you know, three or four weeks or something, and they, yeah. they do that. It's just crazy. That, that's got to be, you know, you look at all the crazy rivalries in hockey. Uh, you know, back like the old Montreal, Quebec, or Ed, Edmonton, Calgary. But I don't think anything in any sport can really touch the the Yankees Red Sox rivalry. That's just insane. Yeah, I probably yeah, said. no, that, that one's pretty. That one's pretty hardcore. You know, it's died just a little bit since the the Red Sox have had a little run of success. There's there's not quite the edge to it that there used to be. But when I was a kid and a young man, I, I mean, it was just. It was all consuming. You, you just couldn't even you couldn't even think a nice thought about the Yankees. I, occasionally, I'll have one now, and then I just hit myself upside the head, or <laughs> or you know think about how much of a gong show they made Derek Jeter's three thousand hit into, and uh, that cures me a 
that. So, uh, or, or I think about how many gold gloves Derek Jeter's won without being able to move three feet from where he started um, and therefore has no range so he doesn't have to make any plays so he doesn't make any so errors. So, yeah, uh, you're, you're obviously not a, a Red Sox fan, right? No, I am. <laughs> I'm just saying you're... So you're saying Jeter's way overrated. Uh, I, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, I, know, he's I, a, he's a, I mean, look, I, I'm not a huge fan of either team particularly, but I, I think Jeter's, though, a clutch guy. I mean, that, that guy, you know, he, there are certain players in every sport that's a, that's a clutch guy that comes through in the clutch to win championships. And, you know, you say what you will about Jeter, but, I mean, Matt, that guy's done, you know, he's always one of those guys when I was watching the you know, Yankees win all those World Series. Like, when he got up in a critical moment, I mean, I don't know what the – there was some stat once about him, you know, making getting hits in those moments. It was kind of like crazy, like a seven hundred batting average or something. I think like that. Uh, his first he's a clutch six, guy. The first six years of his career, when they won all the championships and stuff, he was very clutch. But the last like eleven, he's been very medi- super mediocre. Well, he's got to be pretty tired. I mean, you know, dating all those girls and you know having all that sex. I mean, it's got to be pretty wearing him out. I would imagine. It's amazing because I've heard some insane stories so about Jeter with girls, and he ne- the, the the papers in New York never go after him if A Rod steps out. With some chick that's not wasn't his wife. They were all over him or anybody, but they always left Cheater alone. Yeah, well, I, you, you know, know it's, it's, it's amazing because athletes athletes never learn. Once in a while, they do. Like Derek learned very early. You know, you treat the media with a little bit of respect. You give them what they're looking for. You know, he never says anything, but he he's never he's never bad to the media. You know, he never puts him in a tough spot. He never lies to him. He never does any of that. So, you know, he's never going to say, the media is never going to go after him because they don't have issue with him. Where A-Rod, you know, he makes their lives difficult. He makes the media's life difficult. They're going to make his life difficult. You know, it's the same in any sport. I mean, Adam Graves was here in his last year in New York. He could barely play, but he is legitimately the nicest man I've ever met. And nobody in New York went after him, not even the hardest guys from the tabloids who would go after their own mothers. Everybody just gave Adam Graves a free pass because he had been great to everybody throughout his whole career it, it felt dirty to do it so you know you can talk all you want about the media being unbiased but that's that's a pipe dream so well, that, I, I think, think that, a lot of the reason that Derek's been able to get away with what he gets away with is because he's been very good to the media throughout his time in New York yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that and plus you know he wasn't married when he was doing all this stuff so that makes it a little bit easier I mean there was the same situation with Magic Johnson here in LA I mean he legendary Escapades when he was here, and the media never—I mean, really, until he came out with the whole age thing. I mean, the media never said anything, and you know, the stories for him were even beyond what the Derek Jeter stuff was, because there was all sorts of ins- complete insanity going on in Magic's right. life, you know, supposedly with you know various uh, uh, folks. So, uh, and you Wait, know, why do you say folks? Folks, well, you know, pe- you know, both. By, by the way, I think you I, know I he was know an equal you... opportunity guy when it came to to the bedroom. I think that's what yeah, people well, say at least. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have seen it, but it's fantastic. HBO recently did a, a documentary on. Uh, Magic and Bird and kind of their relationship and I've never been a big basketball fan and I couldn't sleep one night and I, I was watching it and it is it is one of the greatest sports stories that I've ever seen with the way I mean HBO does such great documentaries whether it's the 24-7 with hockey or the hard knocks or whatever it is but this was a straight documentary on the relationship those two guys had all the way from their junior year in college until 
until they, they both retired and it was talking about the other one and their rivalry and talking about themselves and it, it's really brilliantly done I suggest it to anybody that, that has any interest in sports stories never mind basketball stories yeah they're, they're good about that I saw the McEnroe Borg thing which I thought was really well done I, I'm a big tennis fan too so I played when I was in school so uh, and I thought they did a great job on that so I'm sure that the Bird uh, Johnson was pretty good as well yeah Maybe they can do one about uh, Dan Marino and uh, Ricky Williams next. Maybe they could do one about, um, you know, Magic Johnson coming out and saying, you know, when he went on, I think it was on Arsenio Hall or Tonight Show, I'm far from being a homosexual. Maybe we can revisit that. Because, you know, there's a lot of heterosexual males getting HIV and AIDS, you know, over the years. Like the CDC, that's why I'll never trust the CDC ever. When, they, when, when AIDS first came out, Magic Johnson, all that stuff, they go, one in five male heterosexuals has HIV right now. Within three years, one in every two was going to have it. Really? How did that work out? <laughs> Everybody's dropping dead, huh? Uh, and Everybody, I'm, yeah. I'll never believe them ever again. You tell me i got to get a flu shot, you're full of shit. Oh, really? Swine flu? Bird flu? Oh, really? Okay, let me go run. You can make another fucking $30 off my that f- fucking bullshit you're sticking in my body. Well, on that upbeat and happy note, I think we'll end this. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. I just uh, I get a little carried away. That's hey, a- every once in a while, you got to vent. But you know what? That's you know right. what's good about that? I, I, I looking back at it, it was good because it scared the shit out of every straight male oh, to wear yeah. a condom yeah, yeah. and to wear protection. And this this generation, my my, I got nephews, twenty one, twenty three. They're like, why would I wear a condom? For what? I don't care. So none of them wear it. So it scared the shit out of our generation to That's do true. it. That's true. Which is good. But this generation, they're like, AIDS, what is that? They don't even know what that is. And they don't, yeah. they don't care about it. So they, they don't wear protection at all. So. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Sean. We'll see you guys next month.